0: I've organized the talk to say three things and you can investigate both your experience and the experience of the people's lives around you to see if this is true. Tell me if this resonates. Hurt enough, realize you need to change. Learn enough, realize change is possible. Receive enough, actually change. Again, Hurt enough, realize you need to change. Learn enough, realize change is possible. Receive enough, actually change. So let's talk about the first one. Hurt enough, realize you need to change. Psalm 32, verses eight through 11. Listen to the word of the Lord. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. He wants to simply guide us with a look, with eye contact, with a whisper. He doesn't want to control us. And sorrows come to us when we walk in our own foolishness. If we're healthy, God can reach us with a whisper. God can lead a healthy disciple with mere eye contact, a whisper, a voice, our conscience, the voice of others around us, even just circumstances or inspired logic. His original and enduring intention for us is for our, our, for our hearts to be happy and free and for our desires to align with his desires in such a way that he can just relate to us in subtle ways. We know this in life, but the more intimate we are with the person, the more we understand the depths of who they are, and they understand the depths of who we are, and we can even begin to anticipate their desires and meet their needs without them asking. God intends us to be like that with him, friends, not servants, He wants actually to give us the authority to be able to ask for whatever we wish, and he can do it. A gentle whisper, or merely the beauty of Jesus, can reach a healthy heart. So, if pain is the only thing that can reach us, it really indicates that for a while now we've been running over the roadblocks. So, outside of God's design, we end up grinding the gears to use Brian, uh, to, more of a Brian Hibbs metaphor, grinding the gears or blowing a gasket or burning up the brakes. And eventually it takes a toll. A friend of mine used to say, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. That guy actually ended up being really dumb and ruining his marriage through unfaithfulness and all sorts of stupidity. Consequences are much, much louder than sermons. We spend way too much time rescuing people from the very thing that might rescue them from sin. We spend way too much time trying to make someone who's making dumb choices, make the pain of their dumb choices not not bear the bad consequences. We arrange our life to try to rescue them from the consequences of their sin instead of letting them run hard into the hard wall and maybe wake up before it's too late. Because we forget that sometimes people don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. That's actually how I came to the Lord. Not because the Lord convinced me. Because I hit the wall. I became aware that I was way east of Eden. That my choices were hurting the people that I loved most, that I no longer even respected myself, and that I was becoming a person who would eventually be incapable of love and incapable of trust, locked in a prison that I made to protect myself. I don't don't think it's possible to oversell the glory of heaven, but I do think that we have undersold the glory of what's available this side of heaven. And my salvation experience was rooted in a realization of what I was missing this side of heaven. That I'd been living for my own wisdom and for my own pleasure And I reached out in the off chance that maybe God could have mercy on me and save me from this hell that I created, from the hell of me on the throne of my life. Heard enough, realize you need to change. Learn enough, point two, believe you can. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, I, I think this is clear. We believe that Jesus is the brightest light in human history. He's both, both, gift and example. As gift, Jesus is our righteousness. He's our forgiveness. He's our advocate with the Father. He's our spotless lamb who takes away our sins so that they're removed as far as the east is from the west. and They're thrown in a sea of forgetfulness so that the Father never remembers them against us anymore. Is that correct? That's Jesus' gift. We're holy and blameless in God's sight without a single fault. That's Jesus' gift. As Jesus, Jesus' as example reveals what true humanity in relationship with God is meant to be. If he did it, we did it. If he said we can do it, we can do it. If he walked in it, we can follow. And he told us some pretty amazing things we can go the extra mile when we're wronged. We can forgive 70 times 7. We can be free of lust, free of resentment, free of anxiety, free of hatred. And he didn't say those things. He didn't say the things that he said. In those, those all come from the Sermon on the Mount, basically, or most of those do. He didn't say those things to set the bar so high that we would all fail and realize that we'll never get there, but at least we can be forgiven. That's what a lot of people believe. He actually said these things so that we would learn to abide in him and bear these things out of us. That, that we would be so deeply rooted in his love that his love would then become the sap that flows up through our roots and into our lives, out of our thoughts, emotions, and motives, and eventually even into our actions. We can never oversell, just like I said, you can never oversell heaven, but you can undersell what's possible this side of heaven. You can never oversell the glory of Jesus as gift, but I do believe we've undersold Jesus as example because we don't think it's possible. We didn't realize that following him as example is actually about being rooted in him as gift, letting him live through us. And we can hear God's voice, heal the sick, command the created cosmos to line up with Abba's intentions. But most importantly, we can be God's dearly loved children because Jesus as example showed us how and Jesus as gift made the way. Consider the Israelites before they take the promised land. Moses sends the 12 spies into the land in Numbers 13. And he sent the spies into the land, not just to spy out where the enemy is. That was only part of it. But he also sent the spies into the land so that the spies would look to see how great the land is. So that they would bring back a good report about the value of the land. And they brought back, of course, the giant cluster of grapes as a taste. And Moses' intention was that the treasure would inspire the people to pay the price does that remind you of anything jesus says about the kingdom the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field and when a man found it he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold everything he had and bought that field matthew 13:44 So for God's people to go after what's been promised, we have to know at least two things. We have to know, number one, the treasure of what's on offer, and we have to know, number two, that God's already promised it, and he will enable it. If God's promised it to our ancestors, we can take it. But if we don't even know there is a promised land or what it's like, we'll just have to content ourselves with slavery. Until we learn what's available, what's been accomplished, what's ours in Christ and what's being offered, we can't even know it's possible. We're still on point two. Learn enough. Realize change is possible. When I read history and discover the stories of the great saints who started out as enemies of God and then committed themselves to the Lord, but most of them then ended up slavishly trying to earn the Lord's love through efforts, and eventually the, the, the the gift, the grace as, the, as freedom, as unearned that just dawns on them and they walk into this new kind of relationship with God. When I see them walk from that performance orientation to this grace orientation, then I go, okay, I can do that too. I can do that too. I can, I can end the endless treadmill of never being good enough. At least I see the possibility when I read their stories. And when I discovered the gifts of prophecy and healing were still alive and well on the planet in this covenant and read about people like John G. Lake, you know, laying his hands on people and having them get out of wheelchairs and, you know, also just the crazy stories, crazy stories. Or modern day believers that are still alive on the planet like Randy Clark praying for a woman with Parkinson's and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit saying... Lord I need you to create no a thousand no ten thousand no ten million new brain cells I forget what the number was but he felt the Holy Spirit zeroing in on a specific number of how many new brain cells needed to be created and this woman went from shaking and incapable of playing piano or swallowing liquid without choking to getting up and going to the piano and saying do do you guys mind if I play piano and he said sweetheart you're the queen this is your day she played the piano for the first time in years and she went and held her grandbaby with no fear of dropping her. When I read those stories, I realize it doesn't make me go ahead and just, boom, I go out and do it. Maybe it will for you. You can. But it makes me realize that it's possible. Heard enough, realize you need to change. Learn enough, realize change is possible. Number three, receive enough, you actually change. Romans 14, 17, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Kingdom is not a bunch of rules, but it's lived realities. There's a big difference between doctrines and lived realities. I know, with my my head, that joy in the Holy Spirit is one-third of what Paul said the kingdom is about. I know it, but knowing it has not made it translate into my lived reality. Anyone else? Not yet. But it can be once I actually believe and live out some things that joy is founded upon. James is the guy in the New Testament who popularized the idea that if you aren't living it, stop claiming you believe it. That's right. Because what you truly believe is revealed by what you do. Jesus said, People draw near with their mouths, but their hearts are far from him. They say a lot of worshipful stuff to Jesus and about Jesus. But they don't do what he says, and history will record that in the end, he says to them, even though they've been saying, Lord, 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 to him, he will say to them, who are you talking to? I don't know you. It's more than a prayer life. A lot of people have a prayer life. but It's founded on deception. I'm aware, theologically, that God is the fountain of living waters, I'm aware that he's the source of the most satisfying love, hope, and peace that can ever be. I'm aware, theologically, that he's chosen me, that he's adopted me, that he's for me, that he speaks to me, that he has a plan for my life. The plan is good, it's right, it's for the healing of the nations, and that he always has my best interests at heart. I'm aware of that. The problem is that being theologically aware of these things is not the same thing as actually having them as living realities. I can see on the news about a bombing somewhere far away on the planet. But most of the time, unless I know someone personally there, it's not a lived reality for me. You do know what I'm saying? I mean, I can say that's terrible. But when it happens at our school all of a sudden I'm completely personally and emotionally involved. It becomes a lived reality. It was true both times, but for some reason over here, I'm intimately involved in it. So what am I getting at? I'm trying to get at the idea that being personally involved with the truths of Jesus as the Bible presents him, I mean deeply and personally involved with him, and actually doing his sayings and redoing his doings, that's a weird way to talk. That until I'm involved in receiving his sayings and doing his doings, that it's not my lived reality, even though I claim to believe it. Most of us know that whatever we focus on the most grows the biggest in our heart the more we think about something and talk about something, whether it's cars or soccer or a girl or work or our sicknesses and our ailments and our treatments or ISIS or the perfect healthy diet or essential oils or whatever. Whatever we focus on, we know that it grows bigger in our understanding, bigger in our hearts, bigger in our priorities, bigger in our mental map of the world because whatever gets your attention eventually gets you. So when what's wrong with life or the circumstances or someone else is taking up more space in my head and in my heart and in my mouth than what's right with the Lord and what's right with Jesus and what's right with the gospel and what's right with who I am in Christ and what's mine, when when this takes up more space than this in my heart, that erodes the foundations that love grows best in. But when a better gospel than the circumstance, when a bigger Jesus than what the devil is doing, then when an Abba who's more wise and more kind than what that person is doing to me or saying about me, when God becomes the greater lived reality than other things. That's when change actually happens. That's when we step out of what's normal for the kingdom of world into what's normal in God's kingdom. That's when we actually manifest the kingdom on earth. And that happens not because we've, we've changed ourselves. That happens not because we've, we've, we've built ourselves. That happens because... We're remembering and receiving what's already mine because of Jesus. Jesus talked about it in John 15 and he said it, Abide. Remain. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But isn't that the thing that gets me? Isn't that where I... Where, I'm, where the disconnect is? You heard enough, you need to realize you need to change. Learn enough, realize change is possible. But receive enough, and you actually change. Isn't that the receiving, abiding, remaining, keeping the focus and the attention? Isn't that where we kind of unplug, our I unplug from the wall socket? Sometimes it's just so annoyingly hard to face myself. Because I, I've figured out that I can't really get real with God without going through my heart. Like, I have to get real with me on my way to getting real with God. And sometimes it's just too annoying to admit that even though I know his love is for me, I'm not happy and I don't care. And sometimes it's just annoying when you figure out that Jesus is on, you know, on audio, but, well, if you're a teenage boy, sometimes Jesus is on audio, but girls are on video. <laughs> and video sent, tends to win. You know, or Or maybe if you're me, it's like, What God says about me is what matters, but what you say about me is what seems to be mattering to my heart right now. I don't think I'm alone in that. It's sometimes just so much effort to drag my heart to the fountain of living water and drink, when my heart, for some reason, is just pretty sure that all these other little trinkets and treasures and distractions just might do the job, but without the cost maybe not ultimately better, but they're easier and they're less costly and more microwavable and instantaneous. And that's the thing. I mean, drinking salt water because it's easier and closer than doing the work to get the salt out of the water will kill you. You know what I'm saying? You can drink yourself dry because you're drinking the wrong thing and your thirst is dumb. Your thirst doesn't know any better. It's just dumb thirst. Me want. Me want now. Me want more now not all that complicated or intelligent. Sometimes we pay a lot of money to counselors to to make really intellectually astute observations about our really dumb, simple flesh. Because counselors don't want to tell you, you could repent and receive love today. It's just much easier to deal with taxonomy. Do you know what taxonomy is? It's much easier to deal with complex definitions of the problem than providing insultingly simple solutions. But simple doesn't mean easy. It's actually my job to direct my dumb desire to the right places. But when I do, when I do, those times that I do, that's when I come together with God's people and I sing, I pray, I worship, I look into God's face. We sang about one day we're going to look into his face and I was thinking we're doing that now, hopefully. Second Corinthians says that. That we all with unveiled faces, we're looking into the face of Jesus where we see the beauty of God the Father. And as we look in the face of Jesus now, in this life, we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. Always forward, always more, always deeper. Every day more, every day further. So when we spend just a few minutes enjoying God, enjoying God, seeing Him clearly, allowing His Spirit to wash over us, not begging His Spirit to wash over us, allowing, we're not the ones chasing Him. I mean, we are, but he's chasing us, allowing him to recalibrate us, letting him love us, letting him just be with us with no other agenda, not to get him to change them so that my life can be back on track. One of the biggest important things about our petitions is to get them off of us. Oh man, I sometimes think when people come to Jesus to fix their marriage or whatever whatever. That's a good start. Jesus will take you in if you came to him to get off drugs, fix your marriage or just help with your self-esteem issues, but that's not your real problem and that's not your real answer. Because if your life on your terms getting set in order as you define it is what you came to him to get, then he's not God. He's not your God. You already have another God, and you're asking Him to help serve that God. Right? Jesus becomes a stepping stone. You step on His head, saying, Thank you, I appreciate that. Now I'm finally getting where I want to go. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, God will take you any way He can get you. He's not judgmental, and He's not mean. But eventually, like, the marriage becomes something you're seeking His will in instead of fix this for me so I can have my life, or your friend or addiction or whatever it is eventually you realize that he's what you really want Hmm. and the more you walk with him the closer you get to him and he recalibrates your love the more he does that he becomes our, the more we do that the more we walk with him the more we abide with him the more he becomes our lived reality And him is our lived reality. It transforms us until the fake looks fake. Like it always should have, but didn't. Until the real finally looks real. Until the sweet is sweet. Until what's light is light instead of dark. Until what's attractive looks attractive. Until what's repugnant actually is repelling. I've noticed when I eat wrong and I don't exercise, I crave all the wrong foods and I overeat and feel great. And when I exercise and eat sensibly, my body changes, my palate changes, my palate changes so that I'm like, ugh, when I eat too much McDonald's. And I like McDonald's. I don't know why everyone's hating on McDonald's. But I will tell you this, if every restaurant that serves chicken would carry Chick-fil-A's signature sauce, the world would be a better place. Throwing that out there. But when I exercise and I eat sensibly, I've noticed my palate changes and I begin to feel gross if I eat the wrong foods. And I, and I even like begin to feel like, well, if I eat too much. Yes. But when I eat the wrong foods, I crave the wrong foods. And when I overeat, my stomach stretches out and I don't feel too full when I eat too much food. <coughs> I realized I was kind of getting a little fat when I went to Teen Challenge and I, the guys were like, man, you lost a lot of weight. And all I did was stop eating after 9 p.m., because the only reason I eat after 9 p.m. is just for fun. I like salty food, baby. Give me, them, give me them salty, starchy carbs. Bring them to me in whole bags. But I haven't done that in a while. And the other day when my wife was gone, I walked over to the dollar store. Quit hating on the dollar store. I walked over to the dollar store and I bought me a bag of Lay's and one of them little cheesy doodle things. There's only one brand of cheesy doodles I can eat because I'm allergic to malt. And they don't have it in them. So I proceeded to eat an entire bag, the little bags, dollar bags, buck 50 now. And I felt nasty because I haven't done that in so long. And my body was calibrated to say, hey, weird chemicals caked on who knows what this is that's been deep fried and who knows what kind of saturated, what, carb- I don't even know, some sort of basically plastic that... Pretends to be oil. You probably don't want to eat this much of this food. And I was like, shh, quiet. I do what I want to do. And then afterward I was like, mmm, I feel bad. If I'm not able to change, it's not simply because I'm not trying hard enough. It's usually because I'm not believing. And I don't mean like the way some weird Christians sort of, you know, throw that out as a trite. You know, well, didn't believe, jerk. No, I mean like really. Like believe in the deep, rich, biblical sense of believe. Not certainty. No, no, no. Believe as in you so know this thing that it's a, re- it's a reality for you. That's what it is to believe. You so know this thing that it's a reality for you. It's not a theory. You're not convincing yourself to believe it. It's immediately available. It's a fact for you. It's a lived reality for you. Before Jesus, people be, we were speculating about what and when and how the kingdom would come. But when Jesus came, he said, repent. The kingdom's here. It's here now. So change the way you think, live, and act. Make space in your heart and your mind. And enter into this kingdom reality now. Because I'm here. And I brought my kingdom with me. Begin to live. In the reality. Of my kingdom. The same kingdom that will one day. Fill everything. Include everything. Transform everything. The kingdom isn't about eating and drinking. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about righteousness, peace and joy. Righteousness because Jesus has made us righteous in in him. Peace because worry went out the window and we stopped worshipping stuff, money and what people think about us. And joy because we're in. We're already in and we know God and we have the thing we want and we can enjoy it now and the future is bright. We experience God's goodness as a lived reality or we can Not just song lyrics. When we receive enough, we actually change. Heard enough, realize you need to change. Learn enough, realize change is possible. Receive enough, actually change. Go ahead and stand. God, I ask for the grace to close the gap, to plug in our hearts to the wall socket of your reality, your power that's available, your presence that's available, your wisdom that's available, your guidance that's available. We ask, God, that we would not be like a horse and a donkey that need to be led around with bit and bridle, but that we would be your your friends. That we would be your friends. Like, Like Matt prayed during the singing time, that we wouldn't run to other lesser wells to try to drink, that we would go directly to you. Just feel like life is short and I'm... Sometimes we just insatiably want to feel better now. So we try to take a shortcut It ends up harming us and harming those around us. So I'm asking in Jesus' name, for the grace that that which is light would look light, and that which is dark would look light—or sorry, dark would look dark for us—that we would no longer twist sweet for bitter and bitter for sweet. You said we're called to be the light of the world, and you told us that the eye is the lamp of the body, and if if our eye is unhealthy. If our eyes diseased and we can't see, then our whole body is flooded with darkness. And so we ask God that our, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened by Your Spirit, by Your power. You would grace us with a spirit of wisdom and understanding that we would experience Your love, that we would know You. That's You. You reveal God. Only God can reveal God. We welcome you to open our eyes and we say we're willing to face ourself. And we want to walk out of all of our prisons, not just the first one. God, I'm also mindful today as as I've been giving this talk, I feel like a lot of us have been, I, I have, I've been thinking about people I love who still haven't figured out that they need to change. And I see their path is going to be painful. Lord, we, we, we cry out on behalf of those who, during this talk, we've been thinking about saying, oh, I pray they turn around. Please, please, please. We ask for your mercy, God. We ask for your mercy. That they would burn out on sin rather than settle into it and stay deceived. Have mercy on us and have mercy on them. We invite your kingdom in Jesus' name. God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Lord be with you. You are dismissed.